the Lord. God has asked us to give thanks in everything we find ourselves in, okay? And that is very important. Lockdown, no lockdown, God is with us. Now, one of the things that uh, when I was supposed to speak today, I asked God, what do you want me to teach? What do you want me to speak to your people about? And he made, brought, me a rem- I brought to my remembrance that this is our year of holiness. And he gave me a topic to discuss. And I said, well, uh, how will I frame this topic? You know, and uh, especially with what we're going through. But one of the things is, uh, and it's also persistent with Bread of Life, is the word is balance. And in whatever season it is, whatever the spirit has given you to speak to people, you'll have to speak because there's someone that will be touched. So today I'm going to speak about something that is normal, something that we know. And the topic of my message today is no holiness without giving. No holiness without giving. I know we we shy away from that topic of giving. Okay. We shy away from that topic of offering. We always shy away the topic of tithes and everything, anything to do with giving. I think maybe it's just a, it's, a, it's a TBLF culture. We don't want to put emphasis on that. But yet, the word of God has to be balanced. And we have to address it and discuss it as when due. Okay? I know I spoke about this sometime in, in, in December 2018. But God has also asked me to also speak about it in this season that we're in. So I took my text. I have three texts. If you have your Bibles with you, please keep your Bibles close by as we're going through. Okay? Uh, keep your Bible closed by. My first text is from Exodus 25, 1 to 2. Exodus 25, 1 to 2. And it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. Okay? So understand this part. God was asking, speaking to the children of Israel, that you should bring an offering. And then also understand willingly. From his heart, okay? The second portion I have is uh, in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And it says, it's very common. We quote this all the time. So I'm sure some of you have memorized it. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, that you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, that's the second verse. And the last one is in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. And it says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Okay, understand that saying, in all your conduct. When God has called us out of a year of holiness... It has to be in all our conduct. And that also encompasses our giving. Praise the Lord. So I'll take some definitions as I usually like like to for for us to be able to understand the basis on where I'm coming from. So what is a gift? A gift is a transfer of something without the expectation of something in return. So I transfer something to you without expecting anything in return. You can also put on the line that part without expecting anything in return, isn't it? And I'll move on to offering. We talked about offerings. And the normal word today, offering is a contribution to the support of a church. Okay? A contribution to the support of a church. Okay? Well, that's quite uh, straightforward. And then we go to tithe. Also, I'm sure most of you have heard about this. A tenth part of something paid as a voluntary contribution was a tax. 
especially for the support of a church. I'm sure that part is, sorry, that part was not a, a, a limit. But a tenth. Now, I want to say about this. This tenth is a circular definition. This I didn't even pick it from the Bible, but this is what it is, okay? And I'm sure most of us will understand what this is. Then we go on to the next definition I have. Okay? Which is holiness. Okay? Holy. Holiness. Exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. As one perfect in goodness and righteousness. That is what we're striving to. Perfection. Goodness and righteousness. So these are just the fundamental definitions I just wanted us to get on on, on, a, on a footing. And in the past, I've told you also, we have different types of giving. Giving, I think based in December 2018, I, I expansiated on this planned giving, unplanned giving, and spontaneous giving. Okay? Today, we're going to talk about planned giving. Giving that you are expected to do that you plan. Offerings, tithes, what you're supposed to do, that is planned giving. I'm not talking of unplanned giving like emergencies or spontaneous giving. I'm talking about something that is planned of giving, okay? Now, for me to take you through, I'm going to start from the beginning of the Bible and we'll walk through the Bible, okay? And we shall see where offerings were made across board from the Old Testament even up to the new church, okay? Because I just want to lay a foundation for you to see whatever we're talking about, offering, tithing, giving, it's something that is the bedrock of the church is the bedrock of our faith. It's not something that is plucked out from nowhere. It's the bedrock of the foundation. The first mention of offering was by Cain and Abel in Genesis. Am I, am I correct? If you go to Genesis 4, 3 to 5. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Now, that was the beginning. They brought an offering. Who told them to bring an offering? Up to now, it's something that for me, it's, a, it's still a little bit, uh, 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 I can't comprehend. But they knew that they needed to bring an offering unto the Lord. And the funny thing is here, God accepted Abel's offering. If God did not want them to offer anything to him, he would have stopped it then. Are we together? For God to have accepted something, that means he must have agreed to it. But you know, he didn't agree to Cain's own. Uh, he didn't agree to Cain's own. So that means that the kind of offering that God accepts and is also required of us to give. Okay? That is as early as Genesis chapter 4. That was even before there was time of Moses or the priest or anything. That was after the, that was the second generation, after Adam and Eve, the children next. Second, the first mention of tithes was in Genesis 14, 18 to 20, by Melchizedek. Then he said in verse 18, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed them, and said, Blessed be Abraham of God, Mosai, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God, Mosai. He has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave them a tithe of all. Here he mentioned he gave a tithe of all. The amount we do not know, but he just said he gave a tithe of all. Of whatever he had, he took a portion and gave. 
That was the second mention of it. Okay? Three, Jacob vowed to give a tenth. Now, that is where a tenth started coming from in the Bible. Okay? Genesis 28, 22. Okay? And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth unto you. Okay? Jacob made a vow. He made a covenant. I'm going to give a tenth. Okay? And from that point on, the tithe was taken to be a tenth. Sometimes I wish just, uh, Jacob would have said, uh, uh, from this I would, have, I would give uh, 90% <laughs> and I'll keep 10%. I don't know whether all of us would have <laughs> agreed to Jacob saying I'll, I'll give 90% and I'll keep 10%. But he said 10% and that has gone down. Okay? I don't know how he arrived at it. Maybe when I get to heaven, I'll arrive and say, hey, Papa Jacob, how did you arrive at 10%? 10%? But that's what we found. And then from there we go on. The Israelites were also ordered to give tithes to the house of the Lord. If you go to Numbers 18, 21, behold, I've given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they performed, the work of the tabernacle of the meeting. The tithes were supposed to be given to the Levites. They didn't have any inheritance. I'm sure some of you already know about this. For them to be able to maintain themselves and maintain the household of God. Now, in those days, there were three types of tithes. Two were annual and one was every three years. Okay? Now, if you go to Deuteronomy 14, 28 to 29, it will define that for you in Deuteronomy 14, 28 to 29. Those the types of tithes that they have. But these tithes were for the Levites, widows, understand this, widows, orphans, and foreigners. So Levites, widows, orphans, and foreigners for people that were indeed, people that were disadvantaged, but it was taken to the Levites. And the Levites were going to distribute it accordingly. Praise the Lord. Are, are we together? Now, I'm just taking you step by step in the Bible. Then we move down. We go down further. We found that Solomon gave 1,000 offerings. In 1 Kings 3, 45, it says, Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? That must be, have been a very big offering. That God appeared to Solomon and said, ask anything, I'll give it to you. So that means God accepted Solomon's offering. Okay. Then we move on. Fast forward. 1 Kings 17, 13 to 14. And here, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But make me a small cake for it, from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. The widow gave to God. But she gave to her, his, her, her uh, to the servant. Now, find out what Elijah told her. He said, make something for me first. She gave to God's work. She gave to God's servant first before herself. Now, 
Sometimes someone will look and say, what kind of heartless man is Elijah? <laughs> You're going to grab me the video. I ask her, okay, whatever I have, let me take it first. <laughs> you can manage later. It sounds, it sounds strange, isn't it? But that's the way our God works. And she gave it to him first. And Elijah accepted it. And God accepted it. Because it's God that told Elijah to go there. Then we'll go to seven. In Malachi, very popular verse. You rob God and bring curses upon yourself. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even with this whole nation. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for his sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. We rob God. God has an expectation for you to be able to bring that tithe and offering into his house. If you believe in Malachi, if you believe in the word of God, this is what it says. And God in those days challenged them and said, see whether I will not be faithful to you. It's the same challenge to you today. It comes today. If you bring it to your house, let me see whether I will not be faithful to you. Excellent. So that is a standard. Now, that is the Old Testament. Then let's move now to the New Testament where Jesus was. The reason I'm taking time for this is because I want to just set the bedrock for us to understand. Now, in Mark 12, 41 to 44, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put in money in the treasury. And many were rich, put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which made a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who are given the treasury. For they have all put in out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Now, for me, there was something I took from this story. A lot of times, there's a lot of sermons saying how the widow was sacrificial in giving. But one thing I want you to know, Jesus Christ was looking. She came to the church. She didn't go anywhere. She came to the church. She came and dropped her offering there. How two widows might. She came and dropped it. Now, Jesus did not stop her. That is very important. Take this, take this. Jesus did not stop her. Instead, he actually commended her. So that means God has endorsed our giving. Our offering and tithes has endorsed what we're supposed to do. If there was a reason that God did not want us to offer our tithes or offering, he would have told her, hey, take it back. And that's why I keep on telling you, is the basis of our faith. It's one of the rocks of our foundation giving. Jesus Christ accepted it. He commended her. So it's not even about the amount. I you understand what I'm saying? Not even about the month because he even appreciated something that someone had was that was very small. But the principle of giving, he commended it. Now, there's other parts of the Bible. Jesus also criticized the Pharisees and Sadducees. He mentioned tithing and offering. But that was on the flip side of it. 
The Pharisees were paying the tithes, but they refused to take care of other aspects of it. So God acknowledged that there was offering and tithes that were coming to the church. If you go to uh, uh, Luke eleven forty-two, it says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue with all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So God here was saying, come, you guys are paying offerings and tithes. You're forgotten justice and love, which is also equally important. God did not say, no, you shouldn't offer, offer your offerings or tithes. He was saying, no, you're secluding this. You're doing the other thing. But God recognized it. Jesus Christ recognized it. Jesus Christ mandated us to be given. So you understand that. If at any time God saw that this was not right, he would have condemned it and said no. The next point, his ultimate sacrifice was his son. He gave his son, his one and only son. What greater gift do we have? What greater gift than we have? That he gave his only begotten son. Now the last part. We fast forward from Jesus Christ. We go to the early church. A lot of us says, oh, we're putting our foundation of our church at the early church. And so what did the early church do? Now the multitude, in Acts 4, 32 to 35, I'll read it. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of these things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the, of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each one as needed. That was the early church. They brought everything to the church where they were. They brought it to their local assembly at the feet of the apostles. And where it was shared to all those who was in need. But what am I saying? In this modern day, transpose the early church. Where are we to bring our offerings at times? We're to bring it to the church. So I've been able to show you from the beginning in Genesis up to the early church what offering and tithing. And what is our expectation we have? It's the basis of our faith. Now, let's give you some facts about giving. Sometimes we say, tithing is about stewardship. But I want to correct you, it's about character. Okay? Tithing is, is about, sometimes we say it's about stewardship, but for me, it's about character, which makes an issue of holiness and spiritual living. So I want us to understand this issue. It's not only about stewardship, what God has given. It's about the character of an individual. And once you're talking about character, we're talking of holiness and spiritual living. In Matthew 25, 34 to 40, then the king will say to those in his right hand, come, you be blessed, my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. It's about character. 
That's the first thing. We're talking about holiness. Without holiness, no one can see God. So the thing is, when we're talking about a year of holiness, we're talking about building our character. And for me, giving is part of that. Number two, giving is about obedience. I've mentioned this before. It's an act of worship and obedience. Now, if I can show you, demonstrate to you from, the, from Genesis to the New Testament, and you decide to not to follow this, you're living in disobedience. You're not living in the true act of worship. I mentioned Melchizedek. He gave as worship, as obedience. Cain and Abel, they gave as an act of worship. Even though Cain's own was not accepted. It's not the quality of the offering. It's not the quality of the offering. If it was the amount or whatever it is, it could have seen the widow's own saying should have been the bottom of the line. She gave from the heart out of an act of obedience. And I assume that widow, she must have lived far away. Maybe she did not have a donkey or whatever it is, but she came to the house of the Lord of God to come and give an offering. We go to Matthew 2, 10 to 12. I'll show you something there. This is talking about the wise men. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with, his, with, with, with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasure, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was born and he was born receiving gifts from the wise men. No, look at it. Everything has a reason. When Jesus was born about, we had the shepherds that came out. Then we had the wise men coming from the east and they were bearing gifts, an act of worship. I never heard that Mary and Joseph did not uh, accept it. You know something? They must have kept it. They must have accepted it. Jesus must they, must, they must have used it to bring up Jesus one way or the other. And that's why we also follow that tradition. Someone gives birth, we're always able to give gifts here and there. Number three. Now, let me surprise you. Okay? Now, this is where a lot of people get it all wrong. Giving 10%. Is not a, a guarantee against the poor choices you make with the other 90%. And now I want to stress this. There are some Christians that believe because they are giving their tithes, they will not lack. They will not work. They will not strive hard. Giving is an act of obedience or character. But whether you increase or not depends on the wise decisions you make with the 90%. I think Brother Georgie alluded to it in the sermon uh, last Friday. How do you spend your money? How do you go about it? But it's very important that 90%, you have to involve God in it and be able to make the right choices. So let no one go and fool you and say, oh, you have spent 10% and you go back and relax. You'll be in total lockdown, not for four years, maybe for one year, and you expect it to be uh, money will come in. No! You have to work hard. And a lot of Christians nowadays are being fooled. I'm following God. I don't need to work hard. I pray. I lift up holy hands and everything's there. Yes. No. You have to work hard in whatever you do. 
So let no preacher deceive you that bringing offering, bringing tithes and everything is taken care of. You have to work hard. That 90%, you must sweat it inside. You must work hard. And if there's any easy money, God has never said that making money is going to be easy. Don't forget Adam. He says it's by the sweat of his hands. The hand will be hard. I don't think that has been replaced up to now. So you must put in some amount of work to make it. It can vary, but you must put out some amount of work. Number four, let us be heavily minded in our finances. God owns it. God owns everything. So we have to be heavily minded. Now, quickly, who are we to give to? Okay? Who are we to give to? One, the church. Two, the body of Christ. Example, church members, missionaries. Three, the poor. Four, the family. Five, strangers. Uh, six, employees. And even to the government. Because even God says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And unto God, who do the things are of God's, you know? I was a little upset. I'm not too sure all of you, when I saw my light bill this last month, oh no, it jumped. I think they have removed a subsidy on the light bills. I don't know whether I was the only one that saw my light bill. It almost doubled because they have removed the subsidy. But I have to pay that. I have to give the government because you have to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. That's what God is saying. But in today's discourse, we're talking about the church. I'm not talking about the other parts. I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about the church. So I'll go to the next level. Excuses for not giving. Excuses for not giving. And I'm being very, very practical. People will always have all manner of excuses for not giving. Even Judas, when he was trying to take out money, he said, that perfume shall have been put in the treasury for another use. Judas would have even given a, a reason. But the number one reason for me is no compassion or empathy. Spiritual complacency. And we are in a situation now where we're only meeting online and there is so much spiritual complacency. No compassion, no empathy. Number two, generally don't have. Yes, people have lost jobs. And I totally accept that. You cannot give what you don't have. So for me, that's a genuine reason for not giving. Okay? Number three, some people say, I have other missions, charity, I'm supporting. Number one focus is your church where God has planted you. And that goes into the, to the to number four that I'm saying. Some people come back and say, I'm so, I said it to my mother church. God has planted you in your present location financially for a reason. Why can you say at my mother church somewhere? In India, in Nigeria, is that why God planted you? If God wanted you to be given to that church, you would have left you that location. Are we together? If God planted you to TBOLF or man for a reason, he has got you to come and hold hands and support the work here. So that's why when you see it saying that they are brought you here for a reason, the widow's might. They did not go anywhere. She did not go to a different church. In the early church, they brought it to the apostles' feet. That means they were walking distance to where they were. And they laid it there. 
I hear some many people say, oh, my mother church is, uh, this, uh, I have to send it back to you. No, 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 no. Where are you being fed? Where are you being blessed? If it's the bread of life, then you need to put your offerings and tithes here. I'm not stopping from giving to your mother church an extra, but your tithes should be here. This should be your focus. The Rajasekras are leaving. If they send anything to TBLF, it's out of their free will, but I believe they'll have a mother church that they're going to support them. Nine years I left my, my mother church in the UK, but everything I've, 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 I've put is here. It's not that I cannot give there, but God has brought me a purpose to join hands here. And that's what the early church, you saw them. It was all together in one place, in one pot, in one place. And when you start seeing people giving that excuses, it's because they're, they're refusing to obey what God has said. So let's get that absolutely clear. It's not my church in Nigeria. It's not my church in India. It's your church where you're rooted and where you're blessed in. And that is why you're here for a purpose. You're here for a purpose. And that part of that provision is to, is, to, is to support the church at the location where you are. Number five, they say, they say, okay, it's not enough for me. Whatever I get is not enough. If you get one million tomorrow, it will never be enough. It's simple. If whatever you say is not enough now, whatever you get, it will never be enough. That's one excuse that people give. I would never accept that. You should be able to take out something to give to the church. Your 10% at least as a minimum. Number six, another excuse to see, where does the Bible say 10%? And we started right from where Jacob said. I said, sometimes I wish Jacob said, I'll give you 90%. <laughs> then we'll know the church would have had even more resources if we have followed it down that route. But they'll say, okay, 10%. And then they'll come up to the next one that, oh, this is an Old Testament ordinance and not relevant in today's life. Oh, no. what a mistake. When God is asking us to give to build our character, why should it be 20%? Why can't it be 20%? Why can't it be 30%? Why can't it be 40%? We're giving out of love. Out of obedience. That is what is making us holy. So what are you challenging the small 10%? Am I making sense? Sorry. Uh, am I speaking? And, and, and for me, that is what I'm trying to, I'm trying to say. Is I'm giving out of love. It's, it's a character I'm building. It's not the numbers. And that's why it was never the numbers with the widow's might. the quality and the character and the mind. And don't forget, in the beginning of what I was seeking, he said, give me an offering those who are willing. Okay, so you have to come willingly. Now, another point I get. They said the church and pastor is misusing the, the money or the funds of the church. Yes, that is one thing that's very critical. Oh, he's flying a private jet. He has a house. When I look at my pastor Abraham, uh, 
I don't think he has a jet. <laughs> does he? Or does he have a mansion? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You're even lucky God has located us in the right place where people are accountable. Oh, no. You guys don't know what you have. Pastor Abraham is someone that is very, very meticulous. He does not allow the last dime to go. And then you have a very, very good accountant and brother Joji. Your money will not fall out by the wayside. Are you, do you understand what I'm saying? So what am I looking at? What is happening in another church? Is that what's happening in my church now? No. My church is wholly accountable to the last real. I can tell you that because I'm in council and I know it. So why should I be a complaint that whatever is happening in Mr. X and YZ's church, is that what's happening in my church? No. God has helped you and rooted you in the right place. Now, I'll tell, something, I'll tell some people is, what God has asked you to do is to give and obey. That's obedience. Whatever happens after that, your hands are clean. <laughs> if pastor or the council misuse it, they will answer to God. And that is one of the greatest fear for me in being council, handling church money. Because that means I have to account for it. We have to account for the decisions. And believe me, there's a different judgment on that. So why do you want to bring your, another problem on your head that is not your own problem? Because when the marking, when the marking scheme comes out, all he will say is, Brothers, brother, sister, did you give to that church? God will say, yes, 100%. When it comes to pastor, they'll say, okay, did you give to that church? Yes, 100%. Okay, pastor, how did you manage the, the funds? Pastor will have a section B and section C. The higher you go, the bigger sections you have. So what do you want to have a bigger sections on your backing sheets than just having the, the minimum? So why are you bothering yourself of what is outside your sphere? Okay? And that's where I'm coming from. Those are some excuses. I'm, I'm sure there are more, but I'll see more. A lot of times I can only tell people what I understand and what has worked in my life. So I don't bother to get into arguments. And I won't even get into arguments after this sermon with anybody. Because I know what I believe in. Now let's go. Don't say I've just given things out. I'll give practical steps now. Okay? Practical steps to give into the church. Practical steps. Because I won't just say, I will leave it without giving you what steps to follow. Prepare yourself mentally. That's number one. Prepare yourself mentally. Okay? Mentally, I forgot to put the word mentally there. I will tell you this. When you earn, when they say this is your contract for whatever job you're getting, if it's a thousand reals, just know it's 900 reals. If you put that behind your mind that you only have 90, 900 reals is your own money, then you won't fall out. Okay? From the first day, whatever you give me a contract, 10% is out of it. I don't even look at it as, as it. I don't even budget it. I don't even put anything to it. Because my mind mentally is that that is not mine. So whatever contract you have got is 90%. Let's, let's start from there. And let me tell you something, the youth, I hope you're hearing me, NG4C, younger people, you start at your first job. I started paying tithes on my first job. 
in African culture, you go and give whoever trained you, you go and give the money to that person and say, bless this, bless my first salary. I gave my mother, I took out my tithes. I said, mama, I've taken out my tithes. Now you bless it. She took something out of it as a culture. From that day on, to the glory of God, to the glory of God alone, I've not failed to pay my tithes. Because in my mind, whatever it is, 10% does not belong to me. It belongs to God. So please, have that at the back of your mind. Mentally, you have to pray yourself. But if you have 1,000 reals and you're saying 1,000 is your money, you will struggle. You will struggle. And there will be a conflict. If I spend 90%, that means I don't have any more money. I will never look into that. Because it's not mine. Two, be disciplined. If possible, make someone accountable. Here, unfortunately, we're in a scenario where we're in a pandemic. We don't have the chances of online transfers and whatnot. But it does not take much. Church, it does not take much for you to go down to Bethel and drop it in the offering box. It does not take much. Before pandemic, we were four, four Fridays, you come to church. Now we don't have that luxury. Go down, drive down. God is testing that obedience. It's not the amount you put in that box. Believe me, the church will strive with or without offering or tithes from us. Believe me, I know that. If God is true, it will strive. But God wants to bless you. It's that obedience of driving down. That lack of spiritual complacency going to go and drop your offerings. Just once a month. The widow came on her own violation. She came out by herself. Just to drop two and go. Our children, please. I know you have been under lockdown. So I'll give you a directive, our children. Every month, ask your parents, have you paid tithes? I want to go to Bethel. Please, if your children are at home with you, you have a really, please ask your parents. Form of accountability. Your parents can ask you, so have you paid my tithes? Can I go with you to Bethel? Let's be accountable to one another. Even if me say, brother, I'm going to Bethel on Saturday. Can you come? Let's go and drop our tithes. Let's be accountable to one another. Believe me, that is where God is testing you and me. I'll give you a story. And it happened in the bread of life. I happened to be leading the welfare team by the grace of God. And we have a Christmas support. The church gives a Christmas support to people that are less privileged. I shared this with the pastor. So one of the ladies, she works as a house help. I called her. I said, sister, what can I come and give you this? And she said, okay, there's a filling station by... Uh, 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 avenues that she'll come out on her off day so I can pass out the support for her and she'll sign. She came. I gave her the support. She signed. But guess what she did? She said, Pastor, please, can you wait? Let me go and change this money. I want you to go and drop my tights for me. Understand this principle. We're supporting her because she's less privileged. She has received it. And she has said, Pastor, wait. Let me change this and give you my tithe to go back and pay into the church. I almost cried. 
I almost cried at that point in time. How faithful. How faithful. Now, this is a member of our church. Now, I'm, I'm telling you this to challenge you because it really challenged me. Because she did not know the next time she'll be able to come to Bethel. She put it in an envelope, she came back and gave it to me. And I went back and I dropped it. Some will say, let me wait till the next time I come to church. The next opportunity, next in-service. Oh my goodness. If God will pay us for what the way we do, when you go for that emergency prayer, God will say, okay, let me wait till the month end. Then I will, I will answer your prayer for healing. God does not treat us as we deserve. But the common thing that he has asked us to do, we fail to do it on time. Doing it on time sometimes is what is important for obedience. Drive down to Bethel. Number three, we have to teach the next generation. We have to teach the next generation. If your children don't see you paying your offerings and tithes, believe me, when they grow up, no one's going to pay. What examples are we giving our children? Number four, Remember your financial victories. Remember when you're giving to God and how God has shown up on you. Okay? Remember. Remember. I'm sure all of us have testimonies where we have been down and out. But we have been faithful to God and God has shown up on us. I have a thousand and one testimonies along that line where God has been faithful. Is there written his word? In Malachi, I read it. You will not lack. Number five is obedience. Obedience struck holiness. If you love me, you obey my commandments. God's test in giving under painful circumstances. Sometimes under the painful circumstances that we obey, that that's where we get our blessing. Tithes and offerings is because you love God. It's not because of the pastor. It's not because of the council. Now, I'll go to the benefits of giving. I'm just trying to wrap up quickly. I don't want to, we, we know all of it. Sometimes we just take to forget about it. It is blessed to give than to receive. That's number one. It endears us to God. It draws us closer to him. That's number two. I've mentioned this before. It makes us Christ-like and builds virtues. That's one thing. It makes us more Christ-like. And that's what I say. The thing when we're trying to become Christ-like, we're talking of living a holy life, building virtues. It also builds our trust in God's provision. Okay? It builds our trust that God will provide. That's why I say always remember your spiritual victories. God also gives material increase to the giver. That's one that everybody knows. He's bound to bless us, but also with hard work. He's also bound to bless us. Those are the benefits in giving that I can tell you. I don't want to go uh, too much on that because I know that has already been discussed. I know my time is over. I spent so much time. But in conclusion, okay, someone will say, oh, I don't understand the difficult times I am. 
People have had salary cuts. People have lost jobs. I totally understand. I totally understand. In this pandemic, I've had a salary cut. So I understand. It's not that I'm just talking about it. But one thing, okay, one thing. And can we go to the next slide? There's, there's, a, there's a man of God. There's a man of God, okay? Which is said, God is concerned with our overall holiness, our current happiness. Okay? I shared this with the youth yesterday during our NG4C meeting. God is concerned with our overall holiness, our current happiness. So what am I saying? If it's taking extra for you to give in this difficult situation, if it's taking an extra effort to drive to Bethel, to go and drop your offering and, and tithes, that is because God is concerned about my overall holiness that the immediate convenience. We don't have the platform to do online transfer. It's inconveniencing for you, but no, God wants to build character in us. So it's very important. Is our year of holiness, that is the way we are. So in conclusion, okay, I'll take it from John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Part of the commandments is to give to the church. I'll say holiness is obedience. Obedience means you give to your local church. Praise the Lord. And I just pray that as I've shared this message, you open your heart and you will take it because I believe God wants to bless somebody as we obey and we live a holy life. Praise the Lord. God bless.